Hello, and thank you for joining us on episode three of our first season of Conflicts, the podcast. We're hoping you're having fun and enjoying the uh, podcast so far. We had a heck of a great time making it, and so for us, being able to share this and all of these stories with you is, is, is just a thrill. Today's episode is a big one. Today, we are going to be talking to Steve Johnson. Steve Johnson is a graduate of the program, but more importantly... He is working in the industry down in Vancouver on huge projects. He is in the VFX industry, and uh, he came by Thunder Bay a little while ago and uh, took a tour of our program, chatted with our students, told some amazing stories, but more importantly for us, he uh, sat down and was able to share some of those with all of you. And so we picked his brain, we charted his journey of success, and we talk a lot about some of the projects that he's worked on. And I'm going to be honest, so many, in fact, that we actually had to split this up into two episodes. So for today, this is episode one. It's going to be more focused on how Steve broke into this industry in the first place. And we're basically going to finish off with the first major huge production film that he got to be a significant part of. And then next episode, we'll basically just focus more on some more highlights of his career uh, and then end from there. Uh, again, thank you so much. Please uh, like, share, do all the things that people are supposed to do to make these things successful. The more success we have, the more uh, guests we can bring on and uh, share some better and better stories with all of you. So again, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, episode three, let's do it. Hello, and thank you for joining us again for another episode of what is called Conflicts, the podcast. And it's our podcast where we're talking to uh, graduates, filmmakers from Thunder Bay, and also just film technicians from all over Canada, learning more about the other side of filmmaking, the side you never hear about, and that's the people who actually make it happen. We usually hear from the actors, we usually hear from directors. Today, we're going to be talking to someone behind the scenes uh, who's responsible for the things that you love in cinema. And that person is Steve Johnson, graduate of Conflicts from 2004. Steve, it is... Awesome that you're here. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. It's my first awesome. podcast. So is it? There we go. Yeah. Perfect. I, I had never done this before this year yeah. hosting. So like you know why be in one when you can just host them? Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. But uh, awesome. I you're 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 a busy dude, but you were in Thunder Bay, and I just I uh, I'm on hiatus I, right now. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. Taking advantage. Exactly. So um, we've got so much to talk about. Uh, and I'm and I'm I'm gonna try to rein in the tangents because I feel like I'm talking to a bit of a movie nerd. A little and, and bit, a little bit, but yeah. So how, like, on a on a scale of one to ten, with the people you've talked to in this world, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, where do you see yourself as a movie nerd? Oh, I, I honestly don't know. I'm I'm more of a nerd when it comes to yeah, the behind the scenes technical stuff. Uh, when it comes to uh, people in front of the camera, actors, uh, you know, all those celebrities and stuff. I don't care. So, yeah. yeah. All good, all <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, when I'm you... watching, sorry, when I'm watching a movie, it's always about what, what kind of camera did they shoot that on? Or, you know, well, well, how do they do that? Or in my mind, you're always trying to like figure out the process and the filmmaking 100%. aspect of it. So, you know, I've never been starstruck before in my life. <laughs> <just so> you... <laughs> I find myself uh, when I go to public places like museums or live events, I'm always looking at the lighting. Oh, and it drives yes. my wife nuts. I went to the museum in Toronto, the ROM, and I was like, oh, they're using Source 4s. Like, that's a bold choice. And then I'm like looking at how they've rigged it. And like, my wife's like, we could actually listen to the person speaking. Yeah, like, yeah. I know about these lights. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, 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 yeah. it can happen. Any concert that I've been to, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was in Toronto uh, like 10 years ago for the U2 360 oh, uh, no concerts way. at the Rogers Center. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, they're setting up, and you just see all the technicians on on wires and stuff yeah. or people are like hopping in little buckets and they're going up in the air with the lights and stuff and you're just like okay so they're they're going to be shooting the spotlight on 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 the edge the bono and they just yeah. kind of like it's just like really cool it's to amazing. try to figure out how that all goes together and then of course you're thinking they set this up in like three days and they're gonna have to strike it down and then move to the next town yeah 
in you know in less yeah in less than what, three or four days how long ever it takes to do but yeah and it's to, unbelievable and to leave no trace mm-hmm. you know that that and that's like one of the big things I really impress upon my students is like the place has to be the same if not better when you're done you yeah. know like and and it's amazing when you see such a huge rig I remember thinking the same thing when I was young what was it the Much Music Video Awards. Oh I, yeah, I would yeah. always take the I would always take the streetcar downtown, and I would uh, me and my my uh, buddy Ryan, we'd always get like cassette tapes from like different DJs and stuff, and they were setting up for the MMVAs one one weekend, and yeah, I just stood there in complete awe because it's a tight space, yeah. Like when you see it on stage and you're like on TV with all the cameras and everything, like they they've they've designed this to give you the impression it's a massive area, and then you yep. walk past and you're like it's a parking lot. Yep. You know, this yeah, is yeah. not <laughs> what I'm expecting. And when you see the the setup in relation to that space, yes. that was mind-blowing to me. Yeah, That was a big eye-opener. 13, 14, 15, 16. I have no idea what I'm looking at. I just know that it doesn't make sense, and I'm trying yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that it's stuff. It's great, yeah. <laughs> so um, when you were young, was there an initial drive to work in film? Not at all, actually. I was no. just your regular kid who was living out in Lappy here in Thunder Bay, out, outside of the city. You a hockey and, boy when you were a kid? Um, yeah, we did uh, a little, I think I did maybe two or three years of hockey. And then I also did baseball in the summertime, too, at Current River. Awesome. And all that. Money Mart looking smart. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's fantastic. Three years, three years playing baseball. And yeah, yeah I uh, never really thought about film or getting into filmmaking until... My birthday, July 20th, and it was uh, 1993, mm-hmm. and we were actually uh, doing a trip out west to Vancouver to go visit um, my friend's parents on the island, and we were in Abbotsford, and yeah, it was my birthday, and 1993, I think you know what movie came out then, the big summer blockbuster. Okay, yeah. Jurassic Park. And? And watching that movie made me want oh. to get in the movie business. Amazing. So I was just blown away by just everything about it. Um, uh, John Williams' soundtrack. Uh, I still remember, at, you know, the end of the movie when John Hammond is looking at the cane and the piano. Uh, the, you know, those notes yeah. are coming and, you know, they're flying away in the helicopter. Um, and they right mean there, something different. Yeah, right there. I was like, I need to learn how to play that on piano. So mm-hmm. not only did I like, yeah, get in, make me, that made me want to get into the industry. I also took up uh, piano and everything else. So yeah. No way. Well, who would have thought that one little movie, right? That's going to make my son super, super happy. And I'm going to come back to this in a minute too. And, yeah. and I think you know why. My son's favorite thing of all time is Jurassic anything. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I adore the first film. It, it meant everything to me when it came out, which is why I was I was pretty sure you were gonna say Jurassic Park. Yeah, I was yeah. like, it's a couple, <laughs> but like so the second I saw that in the I saw that in the movie theater and and was I remember I remember like you know when a movie can do that thing where it can make you reevaluate how you feel about something, something yep. that you've that would be absurd 20 minutes ago. Yeah. And when they and when Sam Neill sees the dinosaur and then yeah. he turns Laura Dern's head you know and yeah, then yeah. she raises up and you just I mean oh my god I remember being like so emotionally moved by that you know in the music and everything and obviously I'm a boy and it's dinosaurs and I'm like young and I'm like so this is like my thing but uh it was such a roller coaster ride and the second time we saw it was at the drive-in the five drive-in in Oakville and I and I this sounds stupid I'm not even kidding you it started raining and it yep. made for the greatest experience ever. That's amazing. Because uh, everyone left. We were one of the only cars that stuck it out. And that probably ticked off the projectionist. Um, <laughs> but no, my dad and I, we stayed. And we were like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And when it stops raining in the movie, then it kind of sucked. Yeah, but yeah. for those good 20 minutes, it was just the best. That's it was, awesome. It was so much fun. That's yeah. so cool. That's oh, so yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I I showed him I showed my son Jurassic Park and he just he lost his mind and, yeah. and the rest and that, is history. That was also like me wanting to learn like even just to listen to um, movie soundtracks. Mm-hmm. So I was that I was that odd kid at school. Everyone's listening to their Nirvana mm-hmm. and whatever other kind of music, pop rock, <laughs> and I'm like my whole collection home was all movie soundtracks. So. <laughs> That's awesome. I still have all of them to this day. <laughs> that is fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, well, the, the cool thing about Jurassic Park too, I don't know if this was part of the beneficial, if this was beneficial to you back then, was that was a movie that really flexed 
uh, what it did behind the scenes. Like yeah. Steven Spielberg and Dean Cundy and everyone there, they were only too happy to show off what they were doing and that mix of practical and special effects. Yeah. It was so groundbreaking and so exquisitely done. Yeah. You know, and I, I just remember that being one of those early films yeah. that was like, yeah, check it out. Here's and what even we the did blending it. of, yeah, the visual effects and then the practical, like the T-Rex and all that. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, that movie is, you know, going to be 30 year, 30 year anniversary wow. coming yeah, up. Yeah, you're June right. 11th. It's, oh my God. So, you know, and nowadays, you, you know, you're watching some movies. That's 30 years. Now, and you're just like, Wow. The visual effects in this movie suck. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like Jurassic Park still holding up it, good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, holding up, right? I mean, you can look at it and go, well, is that, yeah. like, no. There are a few things that yeah, still holds up. 100%. There's a few things you're kind of like, okay, the Brachiosaurus, maybe it doesn't have as many polygons as it should have because <laughs> I'm watching it in a 4K 75-inch television Yeah, at home. yeah. But it's like playing Mega Man on a on yeah, an HD TV. Exactly, like, wait yeah, a minute. No, I but, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. It's forgiving. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And yeah. and it's that blend too. It really, really works, right? And Spielberg being such a classic filmmaker, right? Yeah. And when they re-released that um in 3D, mm-hmm. oh, it was like he shot that for 3D. Really? Eh? It did such a good job on oh, that, that's awesome. uh, post pro when they uh, converted it. That's so awesome. good. So good. I never saw it in the 3D, but that, uh, yeah, that makes total sense. Well, hopefully they'll uh, re-release it again for the 30th, and maybe they'll have a yeah, 3D option cool. again. You never know, right? So. What'd you think of 2 and 3? Just out of curiosity. Um, be honest. I still like them. You know okay, what? Yeah, yeah okay. the, the second one, it was it was all right. I mean, there were cringy moments that yep. I'll never forget. Yeah. I mean, the, the gymnastics sequence there. Yeah. I don't have to talk about that, but yeah. Um, but then, you know, the third one came out, and you're just kind of like... Whoa. It was fun, right? Here? I enjoyed it, yeah. I know. It's one I, of my guilty movie pleasures. I, I, think, I think the third one doesn't get enough credit. No, it's it's doesn't. It's a, it's a check your brain at the door kind of movie, but mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's not Spielberg. It's the franchise. Yeah. You're watching Jurassic Park. and I thought it was fun. I couldn't stand to. Outside of the first 10 minutes. I love oh, the first yeah, 10 minutes yeah. with the little girl getting attacked. I thought that was so scary. And then it just kept going and going and going. And I remember... No offense to Julianne Moore, I actually think she's an incredible actress, but she just felt so like that she was sticking out like a sore thumb in this movie. Yeah, like she was actually like it was like I almost felt forced when I was watching. With oh her. no! Like I'm having a <laughs> yeah. good time. Like I yeah, don't think yeah. you are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the first one is just absolute magic. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So it's '93. You've watched Jurassic Park, and you're like. Uh, movies are important, or I need to do this. It was I need to do this, yeah. And, and, and so, what was your what was your plan of attack? Well, I was only ten years old at the time, so I really didn't know what I was gonna do. And, yeah, you know, you always think that everything is always made in Hollywood, and it's like I need to like you got to move there or whatever to work on those big big shows and all that. And mm-hmm. then eventually, you kind of find out, oh, it's actually everywhere, especially yeah. now too. It really There's is now. Just the tax incentives. And it's so many provinces and states and, I mean, the U.K. now, too, especially, they're just getting all the big stuff over there. because And it's showing. And yeah. what it, it, the U.K. stuff, I have to admit, like, there's been a big leap in the, the technical of a lot of, uh, when I talk about, like, lighting and camera with, with a lot of U.K. productions. Uh, I guess, not that I've seen too many of the new studios. There are so many popping up all oh, over yeah. Ontario. I'm assuming it's the same in British Columbia. Yeah. Um, like, honestly, breakneck pace. Uh, yep, and now awesome. Ryan Reynolds has just announced that. I just he... read that yeah, today, what? actually. Yeah. Crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Markham, Ontario, I think. Markham, that's, that's yeah. right. Uh, and it's just, it's just, it's constant. It's absolutely constant. Um, and so I have to imagine all of these studios are going to be far better than, you know, what Pinewood would have thought would have. Like, we all looked at Pinewood and yeah, said, it's yeah. not going to get any better than this, folks. So it's very possible that something has gotten better than that. I mean, not in size or scale, but in, you know, accommodations and yeah. luxuries, possibly. Yeah, it's but possible. it's great. It's, it's nice that they're actually, yeah, some, well, some places are putting the money yeah. and building a proper, yeah, yeah, stage uh workspace, everything, because totally. there's so many places where, you know, like, oh, let's just buy that warehouse that shut down and we'll slap our, uh, uh, our company name on the outside and call it a studio. Yep. Meanwhile, you can hear the rain hitting the hitting the roof. You can 100%. hear people driving by, people talking outside, but they still call it a studio. Yeah, it's, I, I uh, without going too much on a tangent, I do feel like that word has become softened. 
There, yeah. there is a the there should be certain expectations, and I feel like it should be one hundred percent control of your environment. And yeah. I think if you can't promise that, you're not a studio. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I have I can't count. I will never say them out loud, obviously. The amount of studios I've worked in in Toronto where, no, you are not in control of anything. It's yeah. literally a warehouse. Yeah. You know, maybe you put some sound dampening. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Like, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget. I was a production assistant on Night at the Museum 3. Mm-hmm. And outside of the studio, like, for one of my lockups, I had to stop transport from driving by the stage. Because they could hear all the diesel trucks idling and as they slowly, you know, wow. uh, drive by. So you have your stop slow paddle and you're stopping crew from doing anything outside. And so, I'm sure that's going really well for you, right? Yeah, it's just well, it's so frustrating, right? Oh, it's yeah. like a multi-million dollar movie shooting here and, you know, their you know, sound is picking up everything coming from outside. And, yeah. Yeah. Brutal. So, Brutal. But, you know, we made it work. <laughs> yeah. It's what we do. It's exactly. what we do. Yeah. So. Uh, so eventually you decide, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try conflicts. Like was, was that like, ah, I'm just going to try film school. As I got older and was going to, yeah, through elementary and, and high school and all that, I was always watching, uh, there's a show called movie magic. That was like my only source at the time of watching behind the scenes and model making and how everything was made. So, you know, that was just like, just kept watching that every, you know, week, whenever it came on and course you know internet really wasn't around then or slowly mm-hmm. coming out but you still couldn't find anything online about no. how movies were made or how you do lighting how you do this and that but so i just trucked along and did whatever i could um i think I, my uh dad bought a old jvc vhsc camcorder that was the first camcorder that i used awesome. so I how made old little, were you then i was like 11 Awesome. So it was like around the time like the Jurassic Park came out and everything. And yeah. we went to Florida and then, you know, we, we go to Universal Studios, uh, Universal Studios, Florida. <laughs> that's, that's all there was at the time. Yeah. And they had a little behind the scenes exhibit of Jurassic Park. So I'm freaking out, right? Of course. Uh, the actual costumes that were used in the movie, all behind glass. And there was the sick, the sick Triceratops was like center uh, display. But of course, fast forward, you know. 25 years later, I found out that wasn't the actual one that was used in the movie, so I was so choked. But at least the costumes, and they had yeah. some of the props there and everything, yeah. too. So I was, like, so cool to actually see up close and personal. Yeah. Wow, it's, like, real, you know, not just Absolutely. up there on the screen. And then Planet Hollywood, mm-hmm. my first time going there, they had so many props from, like, any movie you can think of, right? Such an eye-opener to be like, wow, this is so cool. You are a movie nerd. Yeah, well, kind of. (laughs) You totally are. (laughs) Because I have to admit, I'm the same way. So I, there was a Planet Hollywood, I think it was near Niagara Falls, if I remember, when I was growing up. Yeah, like late teens. And a friend of mine had a birthday party and wanted to do it there. And I'm cool with it. Sure, let's go and have fun. I'm the movie guy, right? So you'll have fun there. And I didn't know what to expect. I thought it was just going to be like, you know, Jack Astor's or, or some other place like that. And I walked in, we sat down. And I went to use the bathroom. As I'm walking past, I saw a chalice, a black chalice in a case from Black Adder Season 2. Now, I don't know if you know what that show is, but I worship Black Adder. I I was one of my favorite shows growing up. And I just freaked out. I'm like, it's literally right here. And then that was was a big moment for me because it felt like it was real. Yeah. Like, it's just a cup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like of course it is. But yeah. when 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 this industry of show is so far away from you, you give it this weird mystique. Yeah. And it's like Absolutely. once you actually see that it's just a cup, everything changes. Yeah. And yeah. it was a big it's a big eye opener for me. Yeah, I did not anticipate that coming from my friend's birthday party. Yeah. I kind of went back going, I just saw the cup from Black Adder. Yeah, yeah. It weird. <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. I loved it. I loved it there. It's my only time ever going, but it was awesome. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I remember, like, they had the bu- the f- the front of the bus from Speed was like hanging up. Oh no in, way! In there too, they had a Demolition Man, where I Stallone gets like frozen. Was he frozen or whatever? Yeah, it was, and, yeah. Like, that little um, cylinder thing. Like this that is in was Florida, in Florida, right? That was in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the Niagara yeah. Falls ones had the chalice from Black Adder. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> a bit of a difference in yeah. funding. But no, that's amazing. That's, well, yeah, like, that's the, so cool. You know, the I'm pretty sure it was the authentic boat, like uh, the Jenny boat from Forrest Gump. They had that no outside way. as well too. And see, it like, was such all a that great stuff was kind of like the, all this cinematic history. Yeah, all under one restaurant. You kind of walk in, you're just like, that's so cool. To totally, see that, right? Totally. So. It's a certain type of unique nerd. Um, I. I got I oh, I might have to cut this out if it yeah. <laughs> if I already said it in another episode of the podcast. Yeah. But like um I got sent to LA for a week and I worked at William F White uh, yeah. to overview um our supplier for textiles and like their operation. And so it was the last night and they're like they want to take us out and they you know let's go drinking, let's go eat here and I'm, and as we're walking or sorry as we're driving past I see the water tower, the Warner Brothers water tower. Oh yeah. yeah. And I'm like can we please just stop? At the water tower. And yeah. like I had, and they thought I was joking. And I'm like, no, like this is kind of like a big life moment for me. Can yeah, we yeah, please yeah. go back? You're driving away from the water tower. I need to see this water tower. Yeah. And they're like, it's just a stupid water tower. We see it every day. And they, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I just need to see this water tower. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. it's always been this huge iconic thing where the Animaniacs lived. Yeah. And then it's like, you see, you're like, okay, it's a water tower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can go on with my life, you know? Yeah. It's awesome. Awesome. Um, so eventually you're eventually this leads to uh conflicts. Is this Yeah, so yeah, in, so high, in high school I was like volunteering at Shaw TV. Yeah, I was so gonna just say, kinda well, like was... to get in because you know, it's like, awesome. well, I'm in Thunder Bay, what can I do to like kind of like get my hands on a camera and just kind of learn about just editing and this and that? And yeah, it was just it was like basically it's like TBT or Shaw Cable channel. Yep. Channel 7 at the time, I guess it was, mm-hmm. for, you know, for their little co-ops that you could do. So so Very myself cool. and a friend, we went to uh, Shaw TV at Channel 7, the local access community uh, station. And kind of, you know, that's where I, that's where I met uh, Renee Boyer yeah. and all that. So. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And, uh, yeah, so it was just great. You know, he showed me a lot about, this, this, you know, that that side of the, of the game of, like, so, because I really didn't know too much about broadcasting and everything, right? It was always about filmmaking and that kind of process so it was just great for Renee to be like oh this is like the whole other world of broadcasting that you can do so yeah it was like ended up volunteering there for a few years going out through high school and once my co-op yeah was done I you know I kept helping out there and everything and it was awesome. yeah, it was really fun awesome that sounds amazing so and then uh yeah eventually yeah high school is coming to an end and it's like I gotta go to college where am I gonna go and um I was looking into southern Ontario I think of it was course. Humber yeah was one of them and uh, also Confederation College here in town. And then I, yeah, I ended up choosing Confederation just because, like, well, it's such – it's been around forever, like, what, over 50 years now. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people raved about it, and it's just like, well, should I – For me, Confederation, it was because I wanted to get away from home. Yeah. Um, yeah. But And it was because they had film. Yeah. Uh, and it was because when they called, it just – it was – I'm pretty sure it was Dennis I talked to. He w- yeah. It was just like, yeah, man, we just make movies. Yeah, and yeah. He, he couldn't have been more casual about it. I'm like, I just, I just like this guy. Yeah. I, w- I want to go here, you yeah. know, because like it just felt like this is what we do, and then it is. We just make movies. I, I had the legendary Don Delorme call me, oh, and scary. I still remember that phone call. Oh, that's you know? awesome. Like, I, at the time, yeah, I was still living out in the in the country, but I remember the phone ringing. I think my my dad picked it up or whatever and said, "Hey, it's for you," and just like, "Hey," and then yeah. That's the first time I talked to anybody at the college. And awesome. yeah, Don just did like the little, kind of almost like a little meet and greet kind of thing and yep. this and that. I think he mentioned that, oh yeah, you got accepted and you know, mm-hmm. we're looking forward to having you come in the fall. I'm just like, oh, that's really cool that they actually like cared, you know? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and that's always been uh, Dennis's thing is like, we're, the school's not making these calls. We make the calls yeah. because that's when the relationship starts. Yeah. And so we 100%. still we still do that to this day. Yeah, that's Although yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, out of the fifty to hundred that I call, maybe two answer now. Yeah, yeah. You got to start texting. <laughs> you got to text now. them, yeah. and then they're like, "Who are you? Why are you texting me?" Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's a whole it's a whole thing right now. You don't know. And I had uh, Don was my guy. He was my my mentor. I owe yeah. I owe I owe everything to Don. Uh, no offense, Eric, but um, yeah. So he was uh, incredible, an incredible guy. So, uh, so you're in conflicts, you're here for two years. What was, uh, your, that was the time of the Nagra and of the, yeah, uh, we had the Nagra, the Area SR2. Yeah, Area SR2 is the Bolex. Yeah. You know, we, our first, uh, our first little film that we shot in first semester was the, uh, on a Bolex, mm-hmm. black and white, uh, reversal film. Yep. hundred feet, 
no sound. And it, it's literally what, like, you have, like, two stops of, like, kind of latitude, yeah. if that. Yeah. And it's like if you are, yeah, even, like, half a stop over or under, it's going to look terrible. I know. So it's terrifying. It's a very, very good way to learn your lesson about, like, properly exposing your film and all that, right? Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. that was fun. Um, so I wish did... I could do that with cameras now. Where you could actually you could force the dynamic range. Oh, that would be pretty dope, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyways, you'll look into that. I and know. Then, yeah. <laughs> and then our second our second film was a hundred feet of color reversal film, and with that one, uh, another assignment that we had, we actually had to foley the entire film. Oh, that's so awesome. So we weren't actually shooting any. We weren't recording any uh, audio when mm-hmm. we were doing that one as well. Wow. So that was really. Uh, a good little eye opener that okay, I got to make it sound like that you know that tree's getting chopped down or they're out in the woods. I need to find, I need to record sounds of birds chirping and all that kind of stuff. So that got your brain moving in. The, so that was wild. really fun. And then our thesis film for the f- first year, um, four hundred feet of reversal f- color reversal film with sync sound. Yes, and yes. that was really fun. Awesome. But once again, though, it's like a couple of your shots. Everything is nice and, and exposed good, and then you, you get that one that's like, oh, no, it's yeah. overexposed. No, what am I going to do? But it's like, well, it is what it is. So, And then for your thesis, were you given negative? We were, yeah. I believe we got three rolls, yeah. 400 feet. That's it, three yeah. rolls, same. Yeah. And I, I, <laughs> I tell the students, I'm like, y'all got 13 stops of dynamic range. I'm telling you, when we went from two stops to five, it was like, it's like opening your belt on Thanksgiving. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, I can breathe. Yeah. I've got some wiggle room. Yeah. You know what I mean? You really appreciate latitude Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when you have a little bit to play with. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And we had a, we did also have, like, even, like, editing on the Steinbeck as well, too. We had a little uh, uh, class for that. So we shot, like, a little video with Don and, and um, at his house there. Mm-hmm. And um, he made multiple prints. And then we just had to partner up with somebody else. And then we had, literally had to go, go in and, and do our own cut. Awesome. Of the short film. Awesome. And like, what a learning experience. Like, the discipline, though. But yeah. When you're like, you know, you're going through the film and winding through it and you're trying to find where the clapper, you, you see the clapper, uh, the, the sticks hit and you got to X that with your grease pencil. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And then, and then of course, yeah, find find the clapper and the sound, and then so you're syncing up the sound that way. Oh, man. So cool. So fun. So yeah. Fun. <laughs> I know it's all automatic now. I know, right? Uh, so much easier. So much so, easier, yeah. but like, oh, it's wonderful. We we were digital by the time I was here uh, in 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 '05. We still shot on film, but yeah, we were we yeah. were getting it digitized uh, when we when we, so we were on Final Cut Five. Yeah, uh, when I was here, but oh, still just wonderful to shoot on film. It's uh, the the sound of film running through a camera is uh, mm, yeah, it just it's magic. Just magic and yeah. terrifying. Yes, because you're like, we gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you have to, you know, uh, put a new mag in the in the camera. Oh, I hated that. <laughs> you gotta put your I hands in the that. mag, and mm-hmm. you're like, I hope I'm threading this correctly. Yeah. Hope this is gonna work, and I hope I taped everything up and take it out. Okay, hopefully nothing's gonna <laughs> mess up. <laughs> I may have ruined your film. Let's yeah. find out. Yeah, yeah, no, it worked out really well. So yeah, so that's awesome. So you're 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 here and you're in Thunder Bay and you're uh, so when when you were here was uh, one department kind of jiving more for you than uh, one of the others. Or? I've always liked camera. Yeah, that's always been like my some of my favorite little thing to go to and all that. And uh, I still like uh, operate on little indie stuff and short films whenever I can too. So awesome. But also, you know, it's always like if I ever wanted to switch careers, it's it's like a no brain. It's so easy to do now, yeah. just because with the amount of content that is being produced right now. It's just like every time we're on a show, they're just like, is anybody, can you breathe? Do you have a pulse? Good. Yeah. You want to work in a movie? Like, because sometimes it's just so hard to find crew. And it's weird so, to it's weird to say that to your 20-year-old self and just be like, yeah, yeah kid, there's going to be a point in Canada where like literally if you have a pulse, you can have a job. Yeah, because it was yeah. not like that when I graduated. No. You know, Congratulations. I, Here's your diploma. Go work at a factory. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I was a production assistant for over four years because mm-hmm. you couldn't move up. You couldn't, uh, you know, looking maybe maybe I should be a grip. Nope. It's just like the camera union, whichever, uh, 669, they were um, maybe taking in trainees 
once every like three years kind of thing. Wow. And now it's like, oh, it's just like open. You just apply and you just wait a few months and then you're, you know, you go in and get trained and everything. So it's, it's crazy. It is. It's People so are different. so lucky nowadays. <laughs> you can, you, it's just like, what do you want to do? You have so many options, yeah. right? And it kind of blows my mind that there aren't more people like finding this out and being like, no, there's a huge opportunity here. Yeah, absolutely. And same thing, like for me, like I, I ended up moving to Vancouver yeah. to get into the industry and all that. And now it's just like, well, if you're done Thunder Bay, you can go to Sudbury, you can go to North Bay, you can still go to Toronto, but there's just yeah. like all these little smaller communities now that are starting to thrive with um, all these shows coming to town. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Absolutely. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So. And it's only going to get better. Yeah. yeah. It's only going to get bigger. That's yeah. the thing. It's, it's a great time. Yep. So you were, um, when you graduated, did you stick around? Like what I was stuck your... around for about two years or so. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't leave, I didn't leave like right, right away. Cause I was like, ah, oh, I should pay down some of my student debt and everything. Sure. And, uh, I didn't really want to, um, just dive right into the industry. I was like, yeah, I'm able to just take like a breather. And then, mm-hmm. so I ended up working for a hunting and fishing television show that was shot here locally for like two years or so. Mm-hmm. And then like once that was all done and I was just kind of like, you know what, I think this is the time. Like, everything was kind of lining up and wasn't sure when I was going to go. And it was around 2007 in the summertime. And then it was hilarious because my one of my friends, she was basically like, hey, so uh, I got accepted to UBC in Vancouver. Um, I'm going to leave in at the end of August to go to school you always mentioned you were going to move out there, so how come you're not moving out there yet? You should book a ticket. And I, that day, I literally was like, went online, and I was like, oh, tickets to Vancouver are on sale right now on the same day that she was going, and I was just like, bye. And I'm like, well, I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it, so. It's your Cameron Crow moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And the rest is history, so. Oh, that's such a cool story. But, yeah, it was, yeah, it was like, a, once again, if she never really pushed me to do it, I mean, yeah. eventually I would have gone out there, but I just didn't know when I was going to go, and then, yeah, she was just like, no, just get out there and do it. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leave fantastic. the nest. You can do it, <laughs> so. And, uh, and so you went to Vancouver, and uh, you've been there ever since. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I did, I was out there for maybe two years and then I got a little burnt out. Oh, the writer's strike happened actually. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So we all kind of lost our jobs and stuff. And then I, um, I got out of film for maybe about a year Mm -hmm. and then I was doing some financial trading stuff and this and that just to do something different. Um, and then, um, after that, uh, oh, then the stock market crashed. Oh, right. So then that was another, (laughs) oh, great. So, <laughs> yeah. So let me just gonna get out of that for now and take a little breather, and then yeah. um, I ended up. I think I ended up moving. I went about another year, still doing the financial stuff, but I wasn't making any money. So just racking up credit card debt and stuff because right. the guys are like, "Oh yeah, the markets will bounce back. It happens all the time." And then um, of course it didn't, and I'm like, "I'm kind of out of money here. Yeah, so I need to reassess and reevaluate my life here." So mm-hmm. I moved back to Thunder Bay for maybe about a summer mm-hmm. and a little bit, and I was just kind of like, "Okay, I want to get back in the film and do this right." And I'm I, I can go anywhere, but of course it's like you know Toronto or Vancouver. And then for me, it was like, well. A lot of people who I graduated with went to Vancouver. I didn't know too many, or in the people who went to Toronto, a lot of them actually like kind of got out of it yeah. or they were kind of doing their own thing or something. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, most of my contacts are in Vancouver. So I guess I'm going back out to Vancouver. Yeah. So And they were doing far better at that time too than Toronto. I think Toronto I think was were, just yeah. rebuilding from the yeah. at that point. So. Yeah. So yeah, I went back out in the fall of 2010 to Vancouver and got my first like kind of like official day call or whatever have you on the television show Fringe. I remember assistant. that. Yes. yes. Cool. So, cool. and then after that, I was, you basically, once again, being a PA, because yep. you can't, it was hard to move up and uh, there's very select uh, few groups of people like working on different shows. Like, so it's like you, if you're working on, say, you work on Fringe for 10 months out of the year and then when you're done that show, the ALM might be, or the LM might be like, oh, after this, I'm going to go, they're all, they're going to take like, say, four months off. So you're like, yeah. okay, well, I can't really work with that those yeah. guys anymore. I can't afford a four-month vacation. Yeah, so. yeah, so I need to keep working. So then you kind of like find another little group that you can kind of like hop hop onto their show for maybe like four or five months. And when that's done, it's like, oh, 
fr- the next season of Fringe is picking up, so you kind of hop yeah. back on that one, and then you just kind of like work your way that way. But it, it, it's it's uh, very tricky sometimes too because with the overlap, because mm-hmm. I hate show jumping, and the, I never did it, and I, I yeah yeah it feels wrong yeah yeah, and I did do it on the last show that I did work in Vancouver. But it was like that opportunity to go work overseas. I couldn't turn that down, and uh, I, I, it was, uh, I basically missed the last month of shooting on 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 the one show. Yeah. But you know, it still was just like my gut is just like it's turning. It's like you're doing whatever you're doing right now is wrong. Yeah. It you're means terribly, you're a good person. Yeah. And it's rare because it, yeah. it's so hard to be to stay a good person yeah. when these opportunities they just they yeah. show up and But also everyone was supportive too, like the our uh, visual effects uh producer. She's like, You have to take this. You have to go. It's like if you're not gonna go, like I'm just gonna fire you, so you have to go. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So yeah, they were very accommodating and all that. So And so when did uh so when you when you transitioned out of being a PA was that into camera first or into Actually, VFX? It, uh, it wasn't. Um, so, yeah, well, let's see here. After Night at the Museum 3, that was my last production assistant gig. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, it was like, you know, four years or whatever doing it. And I was just like, I am really tired. Yeah. I'm really burnt out. And that was another time. It's like, maybe I should just go home again and just like maybe take a year off or something. So yeah. I, that's what I decided to do. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, if I if I if I am gonna do this, I'm I'm not going back into uh, production assisting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have to find something else, and I wasn't sure. Once again, you know, everything really wasn't open for going into camera grip or lighting. It was just still really hard to get into. Yeah, I'm like, ah, just I'm just gonna take a break because. Four years being a PA when you're working like 20 plus hours yeah. and your whole life. Is it's like, a hard job. It's like, a you know, it's like, where did those four years go? Everything mm-hmm. just kind of blended together. and Yeah. Yeah. So I took, came back here to Thunder Bay for about a year. And actually, I ended up getting a little part-time job teaching here at the college. Oh, get out. Yeah. Awesome. So I was doing At the like, film program here? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So I was kind of like assisting uh, Don. Uh, doing like um, proficiencies for like their, um, I think it was the, like just like tripod grip, grip and lighting stuff, mm-hmm. and then like the generator, just the smaller things. Fantastic. Um, oh, the old fifty six Honda. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I just did that, and then um, Eric uh, had me teach the art and produ- art and production design or whatever it's oh, called. Oh, that's so cool, dude. I think yeah. So I did that for. I wish Eric could have mentioned that. But oh, okay, <laughs> I had no idea you talked. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So awesome. I did that, and then um, that summer, um, I guess Eric did contact me. He's like, "Oh yeah, we, we can give you the same thing again," but you know, it wasn't like a full time. It was yeah, still kind of a part time thing. And I was just like, "Ah, it's just kind of nice. It'd be nice to make a little bit more money, obviously." And then, um, but then it just so happened, my one of my friends who I was a production assistant with mm-hmm. in Vancouver. Was like um, he actually broke into visual effects, and he was like, "Hey, dude, I uh, hope you're doing well. Um, I got this big feature coming up called Hidden Fortress. I'm looking for an assistant in visual effects. You interested?" And I'm just like, "Well, I guess I'm moving back to Vancouver." Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're you're a techie guy, but that really wasn't, I guess. As a specific job on your radar, at that I would time. not at all. No, yeah. I had was not prepared to even be in visual effects on on set. And so, what were you stuff. doing? So like, what 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 did what did you find yourself doing on that show? So, uh, Hidden Fortress was the working title for War for the Planet of the Apes. Amazing. So that was my first big break back yeah. into the film industry. Not as a production assistant, still an assistant, but in another department. Yeah. Um, so my job on that uh, movie was basically there was a, a Caesar head bust and a Maurice head bust. Mm-hmm. They were scaled down 50% to what the actual size was. They were made by uh, Weta. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they, so Weta from, from New Zealand like shipped these head busts Amazing. to Vancouver for the movie. I think they were probably about twenty to $30,000 each to make. There's a, a two each, a one for main unit, one for second unit. Yeah. But it's like lifelike. Like they plucked the the hairs into the Caesar head. And, yeah. You know, like you just, every time I would open up, we called it a casket because that's what like the case looked like. You'd open up that casket in the morning and then you open and then you 
you unravel, like take the felt away and you see the Caesar head and you see the Maurice head. But the eyes, it's just like they're just staring right at you. You're just like, this is so creepy. You, you think you think they're going to start moving or they're going to talk to you or they're going to they're going to blink but they were so yeah. lifelike and so realistic it's unbelievable so my job throughout the whole entire movie was to do the reference passes mm-hmm. for for visual effects so obviously it's all cg monkeys so every shot in that movie with when uh, Andy Serkis is doing his thing if he was walking from point A to point B and they do the camera move and he does his little walk and this and that I had to do that with the Caesar head. Right. So I would start from his position and I'm walking and I'm, I'm twisting the head mm-hmm. just so all the lighting would hit the head so all the artists in post can see how what the light looks like on set on the day when they shoot it so they can try to match it exactly. That's so how cool. It would be just so it looked like that, you know, that CG ape was actually in the shot. And that makes total so, sense. Yeah. To anyone who's never worked in the film industry, that makes total sense when you think about it that way. Of course, that's how you would do it. Yeah. But, like, what an eye-opener, right? Because, once again, I had no idea how visual effects worked yeah. and everything. So, and, you know, we're doing all the stuff on set because there's that whole other ball game in post, which I am so clueless too, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when, like, as I'm learning and doing all this stuff on set, the supervisors are like, oh, can you just go get a photograph of this and then, oh, to get this for us, maybe do some textures of this. And I'm just like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but sure. So let's doing this. And I'm like, I'm like, how's this? Does this look good? And they just kind of look through the, your photographs. I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. That's exactly what we want. I'm like, awesome. Amazing. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but yep. cool. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> am I come back again tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, so yeah, that. So you're on the you on for the whole show. I was on for the whole run of the show. Amazing. Um, and then also I got to learn about uh, even shooting stuff in the in the in the photo booth, because mm-hmm. it's like any time uh, um, an ape or a performer picks up an object in in the scene, or if there's something in the background that they might interact with or whatever, we would photograph that prop. So there was a there was one photographer. He was on there for pretty much the whole run of the show in a photo booth, pretty much by himself, shooting uh, prop reference photos of all these, uh, all the different props and set decks and anything else you can think of that. It basically, if it, if it wasn't like bolted onto the set, mm-hmm. he was photographing. Wow. And what was what was the purpose for that? Um, so they can recreate that into a three, uh, 3D. Um, okay. Like every, every, so every single prop. Single prop. Wow. They could, yeah. Create a 3D object of it. Now, like, oh, so, my God. That's yeah. my so, And, we're and not, they do that? That sounds exhausting. You still do it, too. That sounds nowadays, exhausting. Yeah. So not I, the photography, but, like, oh, my God. Like, now I'm just, the whole process just yeah. went from being fun to being exhausting. Yeah. I mean, head. even, like, just say, like, this water bottle I have here. Yeah. So if, just say if a character, CG character, touched this thing, mm-hmm. they might be like, oh, we need a, we need a, we need you to bring that into the photo booth and, and take pictures of it. Yeah. So not only are, we're not just, like, taking up one picture of it and then rotating and taking another one. You're literally going like, you're starting here, your camera's kind of at a low position, and then you take a picture, you uh, you rotate it literally like 15, 15 degrees, take another picture, rotate 15, take another picture. You do the whole thing. And once that's done, then you put a polarizer on it and you do it all over <laughs> again. And then once you have that angle, move it up, to a little higher angle to change the perspective of the right. prop, shoot it all over again. And then when you got that one, depending on how big the prop is, you might have to go even higher up again yeah. and shoot it again. And, you know, so one little prop could take you maybe an hour, an hour and a half to shoot. So there's a, you know, oh, just and, and a lot of times um, they've even said, oh, we might not even use this, but to have it, is so essential, right? You so have it's to have like, it. You might as well. You might as well get and collect as much data as you can. What a wild! Which is, <laughs> which is one thing that we're that that we do a lot, right? Yeah. So wow, coming that's from wild because like I have a little iPad. We have a little database with FileMaker. Um, so you know, if the camera's five foot two, I'm getting the height of the camera. I'm getting like the tilt of the camera. Yeah. Uh, well, the most important thing is the lens. Mm-hmm. So it's like lens first. Oh, we're on a 50 mil, and then you get everything else after that. Just it's just all bonus. So your your ISO uh, focus as well. So yeah. a lot of times you're 
behind the focus puller while the shot's going on. Okay, he starts at five foot two. He he racks focus deep to 106 feet, and he then he ends at 30 feet. So you kind of put that down in your uh, in your database on the on your on the iPad for sure. Um, yeah, and then you know you do <laughs> that for amazing. every setup, and then on top of that, you're taking reference photos where all the lighting is and everything. Yeah. Uh, we're t- doing a lot of uh, high dynamic range images as well, HDRIs mm-hmm. as well. Um, what are those? Um, so it's a 360 uh, sphere, so you can stitch it all together. Mm. So then you can you see exactly where the, how all the lighting is on the set. Mm-hmm. So you can basically even uh, uh, project that onto a CG character. I'm not sure how you do it because I just don't. <laughs> but you have been told. I have been told, yes, yes. So basically you can like projection map that onto a character so it looks like it was actually there on set. Fantastic. And then also if they do have to, say, recreate the light, they'll know exactly, oh, okay, there was an 18K shooting this way and then, you know, there's a light set up here. There's a little bounce with a Kino on the ground. Mm-hmm. Just to give the artist an idea exactly on what was all, like how the lighting setup exactly was. Amazing. On the day, so they can yeah match it themselves. This and then of course you have you have the chrome ball, you have the gray ball as well for more lighting reference. Uh, essentially, like the three hundred and sixty uh, HDRI, yeah, is all relatively the same on the chrome ball as well too. And then of course the gray one for all the neutral colors, eighty uh, percent gray. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the <laughs> it is essential. Yeah, very essential. If you yeah. get seventeen, just go. Oh, back. no, yeah, go back it. to film school, kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now the cool thing about interviewing you is that I could pick a million movies here and they're all awesome, right? You know what I mean? Uh, and so there's a couple I kind of want to talk about briefly because um, I don't want to take up all of your time. Yeah, here. I might have to come back another day or something. We'll do a part two. We'll do a part, part two, yeah. Look at you every season, my friend. Or we, can, we can make a little trilogy out of this Heck or yeah. something, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm hoping for this to be a continuing thing. Like every year we'll do a new season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I, I do see that although you're... Um, You've got a lot of work in visual effects. Yep. That there has been some camera and electrical work. Yes. Um, yep. So you have been getting a little bit. So, like, for example, uh, a movie that I really like, and I get why people hate it, but I really like it, The Predator. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you you, you worked on the Shane Black, I, I uh, did, The yes. Predator. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was a video assist on that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah. So how was that? How was that production? That was interesting because yeah? it's Shane Black. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, seemed like... Nobody, like, I don't know. Like, I only did the reshoots on that, mm-hmm. but I knew people who did, like, the main principal photography for it, and it just sounded like it was hell. Oh, really? Like, I... the whole entire third act was essentially scrapped and reshot. Oh, wow. So, just to give you an idea yeah. of like, how, how crazy of a, of a show that was. Because, I mean, they they had plans of doing, like, these weird hybrid predators, like a, a it was like a predator dog, and they had, like, a massive... Yep. Mutant Predator Scorpion and like these like okay all these weird creatures that have never been introduced into the Predator universe and they I think that was all supposed to be in the third act or something okay and, there was and, one I think if I remember there was a dog but I think that oh yeah yeah I think that I one think made it was a dog yeah yeah. Yeah. I saw it at TIFF, and I haven't seen it since. I remember oh, going, okay. I liked it. I remember going out yeah. going, oh, that was ridiculous. It was kind of like, uh, did you have you seen it? I have, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It, it felt like an 80s movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a little cringy, but it yeah, was an 80s yeah. movie. So it, it felt like it was, it, it was, yeah, anyways, it was just Shane Black. It felt like a Shane Black movie. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, <laughs> I know he had a lot of hype after Iron Man 3, so there might have oh, just yeah. been, a, it might just have been like, just do what he says. And... Yeah, yeah. Here, here, you know, here's a blank check. Yeah. We'll make this yeah, movie. Yeah. You're part of the Predator universe because you're in the first one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- maybe this is going to be good. Yeah, yeah. So, but... but anyway, yeah, I know a lot of, <laughs> I know a lot of people really hated that one. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Another one that you worked on that I really thought was a standout film was Always Be My Maybe. Oh yeah, that was that was really fun. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean that cast is a little ahead of its time in yeah, this yeah. film. You know what I mean? Like I, I know like like Randall Park's like a big name now. Like yeah, he's really. Yeah. Um, although at that point he was in Veep, so he was already kind of like the bee's knees with me. But like yeah, Ali Wong. I mean, even Keanu is in this thing. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Some great direction in yeah, there. All the and... stuff that they shot with Keanu was in San Francisco. I had to be. Yeah. It had yeah. to be. So, I think he was shooting John Wick Chapter 3 at the time or something like that. I can't oh, remember. Oh, okay. Okay. He was doing something over there so they like, he couldn't leave, they couldn't change his schedule for him to like come up to Vancouver to shoot his little cameo. 
Fair. So, I mean, it still would it would have been fun just to see the guy, but uh, to see to see exactly how he is because you know he gets so much praise online and everything. Yeah, right? absolutely, so like, absolutely. But uh, yeah, no, that was a that was a really fun shoot. So what uh, what was can you got any, any stories from that one, or what was it like working on that one? What were you doing on your day to day in that one? Um, it was essentially well, yeah, that that wasn't visual effects. Yeah, that's video assists. So basically, I was helping the video. Uh, uh, basically, I'm like. I have a weird title. It's like video assist assist, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's like video assist. And then also there's like the video coordinator kind of thing. So he basically what what he does is he's the guy who's recording every single take mm-hmm. on like a little Q take thing. And then um, we f- we feed he feeds everything from the DIT to all the monitors on set. So like at, at village. So if when the director's watching everything, that's mm-hmm. coming from his feed. So if uh, you know. So um, on Always Be My Maybe, um, who is that director again? Uh, Natasha Khan. Yes. Nat- yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So so the the director on Always Be My Maybe, uh, she would, um, you know, if she's like, okay, cut, uh, can you play that back, please? So there's a little ComTech, which then runs back to where um, the video uh, coordinator, like, recorded the take so he hears that oh she wants me to play it back so then he'll play back the take for the director yes. so yeah basically i'm i assist him by setting up you know all the monitors and everything yeah. in the morning and if we're you know if we're moving village and all that i'll um you know cable up everything move the monitor over um if they want to go wire or handheld mm-hmm. wireless i'll have you know I'll, I'll be the guy who runs and grabs the handheld monitor and give that to her so yeah. i'm just making sure that uh, the director um yeah gets their feed and they can watch playback and sometimes you know that maybe the the little contact doesn't work so i have to radio hey uh, oh your contact's working but can you play back the second last take mm-hmm. halfway through so we're always in communication like that just to yeah, and that's another like it's it's, it's fascinating. Is and thank you for explaining that. Like, um, for a lot of people, just knowing like just what it takes mm-hmm. to turn uh, a quiet street into a film set. You know, like yeah, how you yeah. have to recreate a workspace out of nothing. Yeah. You know, and and it takes so many people and, and to be able to just takes a village. It does. It takes <laughs> a video. It takes a video village. Travels savage lands through jungle vines.